Hallelujah. Well, thank you uh, for your um, patience as we've got through and, and congratulated our students. But, you know, it was worth, worth celebrating because every one of them is carrying seed that's going to multiply in, in that as they make disciples, what God's doing in them will be reproduced in others and many, many are going to be saved and healed and delivered and it just, it just gets exponential. Hallelujah. So I want to congratulate you all. You know, I won't keep you very much longer, but I just wanted to share just very briefly just as the Holy Spirit's just been releasing his love, lavishing his love, just listening to what the Lord's been saying tonight. You know, most of us, if you've been in the kingdom for a while, will have memorized John 3.16. Who can say it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. We know this well, this verse well, but I'm going to read from uh, verse 17. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You know, this incredible blessing that we, we have in the kingdom of God is to know a God that, that says, As Christ is, so are we in this world. And Christ, when he came into the world, didn't come into the world to condemn the world or to judge the world. Judgment is reserved for the Father at the end of the age. But he came into the world to save the world. You know, in Matthew 11, Jesus is described as a friend of sinners. And people like to be around him. They wanted to get close. They felt safe to come to him. And this is who... God is to us. You know, when I get alone with God, I feel so loved and so safe. I don't come to him and approach him on the basis of how well I've been doing that week, expecting that he's going to respond to me based on how how well I've been doing. But I come to him knowing that he's the friend of sinners, that he is the one that loves me because I am his. Hallelujah. And it's this this characteristic of God that we are called to carry out into the world. You know, many people, when they hear the word Christian or church, have a big reaction and they put up walls going, oh, I don't need somebody else judging me. And sadly, so often Jesus has been misrepresented in those who follow him because those who are following him have not had a true revelation of who he really is to us. You see, he is the friend of sinners. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. He, when, when sinners were brought to him and they were expecting that Jesus would have to judge them, he was so good, he was so glorious. The woman that was caught in the act of adultery, thrown at the feet of Jesus. The Pharisees gathered round and said, okay, she is a sinner caught in the very act. And they thought they were, that was it. They were going to destroy this man's reputation. He had a reputation of being so merciful, of being a friend of sinners, of never doling out judgment, but always releasing mercy. And he thought, right, we're going to be able to get him now. He's going to have to give judgment because there's no question she's a sinner. But I love it. Jesus didn't get caught. 
He just looked at her and he looked at them and he said, you who is without sin, you can cast the first stone. And one by one, they had to put their stones down and they just walked away. Until finally, the only one left who was without sin, that is Jesus, looks at her and says, woman, your sins are forgiven. Who condemns you? He looked at her and he said, where are your accusers now? And she looked up and said, nowhere, Lord. And he said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You see, the message of God is not that we would go out into the world and tell them what they're doing wrong. That I've been listening to Danny Silk uh, a little bit and over the years read his book and, and he teaches parents, particularly parents of toddlers, when they're, when they're dealing with their children, you know, to, to, if they're having a tantrum, they have, can ask the question, I, do you want to be fun to be with or do you want to take some time out in your room and come out when you are fun to be with? And, you know, after a while I learned, okay, no, I just want to change my attitude so I'm fun to be with. But the Lord's just been speaking to me about this week and just reminding me, I want to be fun to be with. You know, when I'm with unbelievers, people who don't know Jesus, even those that are antagonistic, believe it or not, there are some people who don't like me. There's not many, but there are some. (laughs) They're made, they, they, they get delight out of, of putting nasty things up on the internet, but most of them have not met me. But the reality is, when you are following Jesus, not everybody will love you, but you get to love everybody. You get to have power to love the ones that don't even like you. You get to, you get to love people who are religious and instead of reacting to them and telling them what they really should be saying, you know, you can even fall into the trap of becoming a grace Pharisee. I've had them come up to me, you know, I've been saying, oh, more Jesus. And they come up and try and give me a lecture. Don't you know you've already got everything through the finished work of the cross? I'm like, Yes, I'm hungry. I want to know Jesus more. It's going to take me all of eternity to sort through all that he's given me and I want to discover it. Hallelujah. But God is not looking for us to demonstrate to the world how much we know. He's not looking for us to go out into the world and to condemn them, to judge them, to measure them up and sort of approach them with an attitude that repels people. He wants us to be fun to be with. Because that's who he was. He was known as a friend of sinners. They weren't afraid to come up to him. The little children would run up to him and the disciples would go, hey, oh, no, come on. And Jesus had said, no, 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 let them come. Because he was so infectious in his personality, so delightful to be around. He was so safe. You see, Jesus is our safe place. The Bible says that he's a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a a strong and mighty tower and the righteous run into it and are saved. He says that he covers us with the feathers of his wings. He says that those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. If he was a condemning God, those that look to him would have their faces covered with shame. But instead, they look up and they see this face smiling back at them. And saying, oh, I love you. 
Before you were ever born, I paid for everything you would ever do. I was punished for everything you would ever do. I have already seen it, paid for it, and I am not put off by your sin. I'm here to tell you I've forgiven you. I'm giving you power to go and sin no more. I'm not judging you on your performance, but I'm here to tell you I love you. I'm not here to condemn you. While we were yet sinners, he gave himself for us. So if you think that you haven't been good enough or you're not in a good enough place for God to look at you and love you, you're wrong. The heart of God is for you, is so for you that when he looks at you, his heart bursts with joy. I love that word that Samuel brought tonight. When I get alone with God, instead of expecting him to tell me what's wrong with me, I've learned to understand that his delight is for me. Human love expects to receive love as we have given it. And we tend to give love dependent on human merit. If someone is good to you, if someone is nice, then you're nice back. But if someone hurts you, you generally tend to put a wall up and, you know, have to wait till you can trust them. But God who we offend over and over, looks, us, looks at us with this unrelenting smile, this unrelenting love that says, hey, you can't shock me. I've already seen it all. I've paid for it all. And my heart for you is to know that I love you. You see, the scripture says it's the goodness and the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Jesus knew what he was doing when he came as the friend of sinners. Instead of coming as, as one that was always pointing out people's sin, he came and he loved them. He came and he gave them grace which was unfair, that really made the religious people mad. But he did it because he knew that if you'd receive love, your heart would be conquered. And in knowing that you are loved, you are then set free to follow the one that has loved you more than life. You see, religious systems have never produced holiness. The law was given with all its religious things to help us recognize we can't. In our own strength, we cannot keep all the rules and do it right. But... When we receive the one who, who is perfect, who paid for our sins in our place by being crucified on the cross, when we receive Christ, we receive power to become new creations. So instead of having to do stuff in our own strength, we get power to be new. And if we mess up, God doesn't then go, well, you had your chance. He's there like the father of the prodigal son, continuously loving us, continuously saying, I'm here, I know all about it, and I know how to heal your heart. I want to restore your soul, and I want to speak to you the truth about who you are. I want to convict you of righteousness. You see, the Holy Spirit was sent into the world to convict the world of sin because they do not believe in him. You see, he didn't come in to tell them what they're doing wrong. He came in to convict them of the truth that you need to believe in Jesus. 
You need to believe in the Savior. You can't do it on your own. You need to know that he came. He came to reveal Jesus. He came to convict us of righteousness because he wants to remind us, this is the truth of who you are now. As it says in the scripture, you are now the righteousness of God in Christ. So when you fail, when you get angry, when you do the wrong thing, instead of having to hide and cover yourselves with fig leaves and hide yourself away from God like Adam and Eve did in the garden, God says, you don't have to hide. He says, those who look to me are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. When you've sinned, I want you to know that I am your safe place. I am your safe place because I don't see you as a sinner. I see you as the righteousness of God in Christ. I see you as covered, paid for. He looks at you as a child that, that you don't lose your sonship or your daughter, daughtership when, when you sin. I've met people who get saved and then they, they sin and feel like, well, you know, now I'm, I've blown it, doubly, doubly condemned. But actually, the mercies of God are new every morning. It flows like a river, fountains deep and wide, continually flowing. And, you know, people get afraid of this message. They think, well, if that's the truth, why wouldn't people just sin? Wouldn't they just keep on living in sin? But the truth is, as you really receive this radical kindness, this unfair grace, as you spend time in the company of the one that looks at you with eyes that are so soft and full of love, your heart doesn't want to grieve him. Your heart doesn't want to sin. You want to be like this one that changes you, that is transforming your life. You want to be like this one that loves you. Because it's our destiny, it's our purpose. You were created to be like God. You were created in the image of God to be a reflection of him. And as you receive Christ into your life, the Bible says we have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. The more we fellowship with God, the more we understand who we are. We don't fellowship with a God that is continually correcting and, and condemning us because he doesn't want you to be a person that's going to be continually correcting and condemning people. If you spend time with God every day and every day is telling you, oh, look, you could do better. You should have tried harder. You're not praying enough. You're not doing enough. Why didn't you do that? I saw what you did. You should feel so bad about yourself. Then you're going to go out and instead of being a friend of sinners, you're going to be a pain. Instead of being somebody that's attractive, like, the, like a, a, a fiery burning beacon that, that attracts moss like to a flame, that, that lifts up Jesus and sees all men come to him, you're going to be repelling people. But God is releasing the revelation of the heart of the Father who looks at you and ridiculously loves you. It's not fair how much he loves you. It is totally not human. It's a supernatural, unending, unrelenting love. He says, I want you to understand. You're going to actually need supernatural help to understand the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of my love. Because it's not possible for humans to get their head around this. You need supernatural help. He wants to so 
shake the very core of your being until you tremble and go, oh God, I can't be, I can't remain as I am. I have to, I have to just give up and let you conquer me with your love. And instead of being fearful, you know, you find suddenly that you don't need to lie anymore because you're not afraid because the perfect love of God's cast out fear. You don't need to steal because you realize he loves me and he's taking care of me. You don't need to find love in all the wrong places because you're being so saturated with love that is, that is all-encompassing. He created love. Any lack that you have of love, whether it be from a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a husband, a wife, a child, whatever need you have for love, God has it in bucket loads to give you. Overabundance of every need you have for love. Every part of it. And as you fellowship with this one, all of the other reasons for wanting to sin disappear. And we realize, oh, he loves me. (laughs) I want to pray for you tonight that God will so radically overwhelm you with love. I want to pray that you, that you learn what it is to know the joy of fellowshipping with he who is love. So that as you spend time with him, everyone that spends time with you wants to be around you because you make them feel safe. You make them feel loved. Instead of judging them, you make them feel unconditionally and unfairly valued. He wants to show you how much he values you. You see, you were worth more than could ever be told. You were worth giving his whole life for. And he wants you to know your value so that when you look at other people, you can see their value. This is one that the king of kings opened up his veins and died for. Father, I thank you for your great love. Lord, I thank you that you're shedding it abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm asking that you would so fill us, Father. Lord, for those who've never experienced your love, let them feel the love of of your heart. Lord, let them feel the softness of your eyes and the, the kindness of your love. Lord, I pray, Father, for an overwhelming supernatural revelation, Spirit of God, that you would reveal love to your people.